this is week three of our sermon series, Dangerous Prayers. As I mentioned, we're going through this book by Craig Groeschel, and uh, I'm just curious, how are you all liking chapter three so far? This is, we kind of broke it up between two weeks. Um, what do you think of it so far? You like it? You don't like it? Has it been a helpful read so far? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Now, last week, you may remember, we focused on the dangerous prayer, Break Me. And that just was hard for all of us. That just wasn't a fun thing for us to try and navigate together. Asking God to break us of all the things that stand in the way of us depending fully on him. Now, next week, out, when we're outside, we're wrapping up the series, and we are uh, considering the dangerous prayer of make me bold. Make me bold. Give me boldness and courage. Because these are dangerous, we need a heavy dose of that. So we're going to explore that together. But today's prayer is send me. Send me. What do you think when you hear that prayer? Send me. What do you think that means? We're going somewhere. Pack your things. Let's go, right? A lot of times it's very natural for us to think, well, obviously I'm being sent to Africa or to Europe or maybe Aruba. Ooh, St. Thomas. Yeah. Hawaii needs a lot of mission work right now, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, we sometimes think of vacation spots or high-need spots such as a missionary. But the reality is, while this prayer may lead us to go on some big journey such as that, maybe less so vacation, though we all need healthy rest too, right? I think we're all feeling that. This prayer is much less about big, major moves. And it's much more about saying a prayer of availability. It's about being open, available, and willing to respond in faith to whatever God asks us to do. Now, we all probably have that friend in our circles where you ask them, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to go see a movie? Or I, don't, I guess we don't go to movies right now, but just bear with me. You want to do something with me? Let's hang out. And they go, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to hang out with you, catch up. I'm just too busy right now. So you're like, oh, okay, I'll check back. And you check back and they're still too busy. And you check back and they're still just too busy. Their schedule's just totally booked and full. So that, you know, you're like, okay, well, I really want to hang out with you. So for the next two months, pick any day, any day or time, and I'm there. When is good for you? And they're like, okay, I'll check my calendar for two months. And they either don't get back to you or they come back and say, man, my two monks are crazy. I'm all booked up. I'm sorry. I'm, I, maybe the next two months we'll be able to get together. And you kind of start to wonder, don't you? Like, are they really that busy? Like, are they really completely unavailable? Or do they just not want to hang out with me? <laughs> Ooh. And maybe they're not available, but they also might not be willing. Either way, it hurts. It hurts when we have that. And I wonder, I wonder if God feels that same way when it comes to us. Are we available and willing? See, we're exploring the idea of increasing our availability and our willingness to serve God by praying, send me. The dangerous part of this prayer is that we are forced to reprioritize some things in our lives. And that can be really hard because a lot of us 
especially those of us who like control, have a certain way we want our lives to go, and we have it all mapped out for the next 25 years. Anyone like that? Not 25, one year, one month, one week? Yeah. So as we consider this prayer, if we were to do an inventory on our prayer lives, and just like what, how we pray, our prayers are often pretty focused on ourselves or on people who we love. And that's really good and appropriate. We ought to be praying for God to do a work in us and through us and to be with us and for those uh, in our circles and for them to come closer to you. All that is right and good. But praying, send me, it's to hone and refocus another facet of our prayer lives. It's, it's, it's instead of asking where we, where we ask God, you know, not what he can do for us, so what can we do for him? How can he work through us for his kingdom cause? And here's the beauty. I completely and fully believe that God, he calls each and every one of us for a specific purpose and plan. You have a calling on your lives. You are called by God. I want you to say, I am called by God. Say it out loud. I am called by God. I am called by God. If you're with someone else, look at them and say, you are called by God. <laughs> it's kind of fun here with just a few people. <laughs> you are called by God. This is all over scripture. You know, uh, Isaiah, um, I have called you by name. You are mine uh, later in Ephesians, Paul writes, uh, live a life worthy of your calling. It's all throughout Scripture that God calls us. Now, we often talk about pastors having a calling, right? We are called to serve God in this church. I am the called pastor at Hope Reformed Church. But in reality, each and every person that calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior has a unique, high and holy calling on his or her life. You have a calling, a mission, if you will, an assignment specific to you and your gifts. God calls, but how we answer depends on a lot of things. And a lot of it boils down to our availability and our willingness to answer that call. It's no different in the Bible. We're not alone in this. So let's look at three common responses to God's call. To consider, and as we read these, consider where you might find yourself. What one kind of stings a little more is like, hmm, that's where I'm at today. The first one we'll consider is Jonah. You all know Jonah. If you're in Hope Littles and you've watched your video today, you know Jonah because you learned all about him today. And uh, Jonah is a fascinating character, um, a real-life person, prophet of the Lord. And in Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3, God says this to Jonah, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, Jonah hated Nineveh. Like, Nineveh was his enemy. So you would think if he's being asked to go preach against Nineveh, that he'd be all for it, like, hell yeah, send me, I'm ready to go. Except that wasn't his response. And the reason it isn't his response is 
Jonah knows he's a prophet. He knows God. He knows he's merciful, um, uh, abounding in steadfast love. And if he preaches this against them, there's a chance, a chance they may repent and God may change his mind. Okay? And he, because of that little chance, knowing how good God is, he doesn't want God to do that good thing because these are his enemies. So it says in Jonah, Jonah ran away from the Lord. Clearly, he was not willing. He tries, uh, he's not willing, and then he also tries to make himself not available. He's like, uh, okay, okay, Nineveh's that way, I'm going to Tarshish. Complete opposite direction. He's trying to run away. So I'm not willing, I don't want to be available for this. Jonah's response when God called, here I am, I'm not going. Or the way I would say it is, here I am, heck no, not a chance get out of here. Crazy. And I wonder, how many of us have sensed God calling you, leading you to do something, leading you to say something? And maybe it's not to speak against an entire city as a prophet of God, but maybe it was something like a small everyday thing that God has been calling you to like to practice a spiritual discipline that you know will bring you a little bit closer to God. Or, or maybe it's uh, to say that word of encouragement to your coworker who's having a really bad day. Or maybe it's even uh, just to talk to your neighbor and get to know them a little bit more. It could be simply to volunteer, either like at church or with another organization, these small everyday things. And we say, yeah, here I am, God, but I don't want to. No, I don't, I don't want to do that. Or maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's not a small everyday thing. Maybe you have felt this lingering press on your life that you need to go back to school or you need to quit your job or change your job. And that, that means a loss of security, but you just feel that, that tension there. Or maybe to move or to have that really hard conversation that you have just been putting off for months and years. And you say, yeah, here I am, God. I do not want to do that thing. No way. Heck, no. Come up with a thousand excuses. Some of them feel good to us. I do this all the time. Yeah, that sounds good. But it's just rationalizing it. And when we are honest, God calls and we don't step forward. Our excuses are probably not so good. So when God calls, we might be inclined to answer like Jonah. But let's consider another person who was called by God. Let's think about Moses. Exodus 3.10, God says to Moses, So now go. I am sending you, you as in you, Moses, to Pharaoh. Bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. How does Moses respond? He says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt, as if it was fully dependent on Moses and God wouldn't be with him. Who am I? See, Moses' answer is, here I am, send someone else. Here I am. You picked the wrong guy. You picked the wrong person. Moses was available. He was not willing. Send Aaron is what he said. You see, Moses 
didn't have an elegant way with his words. Um, he may have had a speech impediment or a stutter, something of that nature, and he really felt like, no, send Aaron. He, he can speak. God works, of course, with Moses and all of this through this. That's the thing with Jonah, too. God still works. His kingdom mission will never stop. It will continue to move forward. But Moses said, send someone else, anyone else, not me. I'm not good enough. I'm not gifted enough. I am the wrong person for this job. I'm not enough. And I have a feeling this will resonate with a lot of us this morning. How many times have, have, have we felt like we've been called into something like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the guy for that job, or I'm not the, the woman for that job. There's no way. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not smart enough. And you see, it freaks us out when God calls us to do something like this. Because when he calls us, Almost every time, if not every time he calls us to something, it will stretch us. We will be stretched, which brings growth. And he will equip us along the way. But we may not feel capable of doing it because in that moment we might not be, but God will work through the stretching to help us do that. But the stretching is scary. So here's the difficult truth. When we believe we might not be enough, or skilled enough, or the right person for the job, even when we know that God is trying to press us forward into this thing, we display that we do not trust God's judgment or his ability to equip us and to work through us to what he's calling us to do. Does that one sting a little? That stings me a little bit. Here I am, God. But you picked the wrong person. And for the last one, graciously, it's a little more positive. <laughs> We're going to read uh, from Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Isaiah, another prophet of the Lord. And uh, so we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8 to see another response when God calls. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. You're invited to open your Bibles, read from whatever translation you'd like. If you don't have a Bible with you, I invite you to close your eyes and imagine this scene because it's, it's amazing. This is such a beautiful, beautiful scene. No matter how many times you've read it, it's just, it will amaze you every time you return to it. So hear the word of the Lord. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. This is Isaiah speaking. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the entire temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, and they each had six wings. Two wings, they covered their faces. Two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, 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 the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. The entire building was filled with smoke. And I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I, I have filthy lips. I live among a people of filthy lips. But I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt 
it's removed. And your sins, they are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking. That's him calling. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. I'm available, God. I'm willing. Whatever you ask, I will do because I've seen your holiness. You have saved me. You have cleansed me. And I will live for you and trust in you. Isaiah needed cleansing. He was sinful, just like we all are. He acknowledges it. He names it. It's basically like a cry from his innermost being. I'm doomed. Other translations say, woe is me, for I am sinful. He confesses that. He, know, he knows he's not on the same level as God. He knows he falls way short of a holy and perfect God. He is completely and utterly unclean in the presence of a perfect God. But how perfect is our God that in his perfect love, he cleanses Isaiah and forgives him and removes his guilt. And he does that for every single one of us who call on him, who acknowledges our own sinfulness and his holiness. So in response to this incredible and completely undeserved gift, of cleansing from a holy God, Isaiah then submits himself entirely to God's service. And do you realize he did this? He didn't have the details. He didn't really know what he was being asked, just who's going to be the messenger for my people. He had no idea what the message was going to be. It's kind of like when someone asks you to do a favor and you agree to it before you know what that favor is. That's a scary thing, right? You're fully submitting yourself to the will of that person. But this is a good way in which Isaiah did this. And just a little spoiler alert, and if you don't want to read, you know, like the longest book in the Bible, he's asked to do a very hard task, and he does it. Isaiah does it. He faithfully follows God leading without complaint. So no excuses, no conditions, no hesitation, no one else. Here I am. Send me. Send me. And what we start to gather from this is the closer we draw to God, the more time we spend with him and start to truly understand the, 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 just how huge he is, how amazing his love is, we start to understand fully his holiness. The more willing and available we become to serve him. It all boils down to the importance of being available to God by being present with God. God wants to send you. But we first have to spend time with him to experience his presence like Isaiah did. We all need to come to that moment again and again where we acknowledge we're not worthy we're not worthy. And yet, God still calls and equips. 
because we're not sent alone. He sends us in the power of his Holy Spirit, and he equips us as he sends us. He works through the ordinary to do the extraordinary. We know it's his light that shines bright and far through us. He takes the pressure off because he does the heavy lifting. He just desires a willing and contrite heart. Because as we come to understand God's grace, it leads us to then want to respond to God's grace. Craig Rochelle in this chapter, he has a, an interesting idea. He says, what we feed grows and what we starve dies. Basic fact of life, if you have a plant and you, you feed it appropriately, it will grow. If you don't, if you starve it, it will die. That even happens to cactuses, cacti, because uh, I've killed many cacti and succulents, things that are supposed to be, what, low-maintenance plants. There's no such thing as a low-maintenance plant, okay? <laughs> there isn't. I will kill it if it's a plant, except for the one plant that's still in my office, which I now need to repot because it's like a tree. Anyway, it wouldn't be a sermon with me preaching if we didn't have at least one of those, right? Bring it back. What we feed grows, what we starve dies. Which leads to the natural key question, what are we feeding in our lives? Are we feeding our selfish, sinful desires? Are we giving in to temptation? Or not even these major things, but just these small little things that still stand in the way of God? Or are we feeding our spiritual life, our walk with God? Are we devoting time to be in the Word daily? Are we devoting time to pray and make ourselves truly available and open to God daily? And then what are we starving? What are you starving in your life right now? You would say, I don't want to starve anything. I want everything to live. No, we want to starve the things that are not of God. Those unhealthy habits present in our lives that we say, oh, you know, this isn't that big of a deal, except a not big deal that's done consistently over time becomes a big deal. Just as small acts of faithfulness done daily over time leads to massive growth. What are we feeding and what are we starving? Feed the things of God and draw close to him. Remove the things that stand in the way by starving the things of this world. Because when God asks, whom shall I send? We don't want to have all these excuses of, I can't because of this, I can't because of that, or I'm unwilling because of this. If we feed and starve the right things, we may, with confidence, respond, send me. Send me, God. What an honor. What a privilege. What a gift. Where is God wanting to send you today? Where are those places in your life, maybe that you already frequent, or who are the people in your life that you interact daily with? that you feel that God may want you to do a little extra something there, a little more intentionality. Those circles, those people, those places, that is your mission field. It's your, maybe your workplace, your neighborhood, the stores or the restaurant that you go to regularly. 
and the people you encounter there. Because we have not just one calling on our lives, but it's also a daily decision to live into that calling. Not just one time, a daily decision to make ourselves available to God's call and direction in our lives, to walk in step with the Spirit, to open ourselves to move as He leads. Some days it will be smaller, other days it will be bigger. But the closer we are in step with God, the more willingly and boldly and confidently we can say, send me. So as we wrap up, I want to invite you today and every day to consider praying this prayer. This dangerous prayer because it will cause you to feed things you're not and to starve things you should be. Send me, God, to be an ordinary missionary called to love and serve right where you have placed me, trusting you will do the extraordinary. Because he has called you. He is still calling you. He chose to continue his mission here on earth through you. That is a gift. You are absolutely, without a doubt, the right person for the job. Because God says it's so. Believe him. Believe that he believes in you. That he will work in you and through you to do a mighty thing for his kingdom. He will fill the gaps. So will you make yourself available today? Will you be willing to say when God calls, here I am, send me. Send me. Don't send Aaron. Or I'm not running away, God. I am here. Send me. I pray you will. I hope you will. For God wants to do infinitely more in and through you than you can possibly imagine. Brothers and sisters, God is calling. How will you answer? Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we've sung how great you are today, sing of your goodness, your majesty, your magnificence, when we proclaim the truths that you do make a way where we think there is no way. We can reflect and see exactly, succinctly how you do call us. As we look back and read your Bible and we see you working through imperfect people to continue your mission, we are in awe. We're humbled, Lord. And when we consider our own lives and what you may be trying to say to us, and we think there's no way, God, we're reminded that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And in you, you will make a way. You will provide us with everything we need to do exactly what you call us to. You have proven it time and time again that you are faithful, you are sure, and we can trust in you. So Lord, we pray that you give us the confidence and the boldness to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Reveal in us even now, God, those very things that you are trying to send us to, the very work you will have us do, that tough conversation, that, that, that forgiveness to extend, that just word of encouragement, or perhaps that big thing, that move or that life-changing decision that we're afraid of. Allow us to trust in you, God. 
We are grateful that you don't do it. You don't leave us alone. But it's through the power of your Holy Spirit that you guide us, comfort us, empower us, encourage us, and move us forward. May we follow you, Lord. May your blessings fill this earth, and may we be a part of your world seeing those blessings. We thank you, God. We pray all of this in your mighty and powerful name. And all God's people say, amen.